if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on this Thursday, and we are packed on this Thursday. It's the 11th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2021, and it's also the one-year anniversary of just 15 days or two weeks to flatten the curve. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. Just two weeks to flatten the curve. That was the, uh, that was the pronouncement, uh, when the official pandemic was declared. It was a year ago that all of the lockdowns started. I think Ohio's officially started, I want to say, actually on the 15th. I could be wrong about that, but I do know that we are, uh, the demarcation of the passage of one year of the pandemic is today. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but, um, uh, we are loaded for air on this, uh, on this Thursday. Coming up in about half an hour, Congressman Jim Jordan, a rare Thursday treat for you because Congressman Jordan was unavailable on Monday for his regular time slot at 1010 this morning. The brilliant Dr. Everett Piper will return. He uh, missed last week with some other obligations, so we're looking forward to getting his insight on a number of things, including how and why Satanists have aligned themselves, literally, the Satanic Church in Texas has aligned itself with, gasp, the pro-abortion crowd. We're going to talk to you about that with Dr. Everett Piper at 1010. Then at 1035, Ohio on the brink. Uh, when will we see our economic recovery begin? Former uh, Congressman Jim Renacci, who has got his eye on the governor's office, going to talk about that. He's got a special event coming up tonight with Jack Windsor, by the way, a, a virtual uh, webinar, kind of a virtual town hall meeting type thing. And we're going to talk to him about that. So we've got uh, Jim Jordan, Dr. Everett Piper, and we've got Jim Renacci. And we will have none of those things before we pay tribute to our great country and drive uh, you know, uh, a wedge into the black heart of the evil anti-American leftists in this country by reciting our Pledge of the Le- oh, Le- I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Guess I probably should have driven a stake into the black heart rather than a wedge into the black heart of the uh, far leftists in this country that hate America. Uh, but I think you understood the point. <clears throat> we will do the Pledge of Allegiance each and every day to start this show. Now, uh, 
I want to dive into um, the lead story of the day. And I've got a question for you, and I really want you to call now. Um, the best time to take phone calls for what I'm about to discuss is now, between now and 9.30, in the next 20 minutes. Dial 216-901-0945 with a very simple answer to this question. Will you or would you, if called upon to you serve or want to serve on the jury trial of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. The jury selection is underway. It's a slow process because a lot of jurors are terrified. They don't want anything to do with the Derek Chauvin trial because if the facts presented in the court of law don't lead to a conviction of Derek Chauvin, and George uh, George Floyd's death is is goes you know um, uh, un uh, how how do I want to say that uh, unavenged how about that because that's what they're looking for here is vengeance the George Floyd death from Memorial Day a year ago must be avenged and if the jury decides that the facts do not support a murder conviction either murder one murder two or murder three. Uh, they're worried about themselves being murder victims 1 through 12. And that may be a little bit extreme, but not very much. If you were called upon in Minneapolis to serve on that jury, would you want to serve on that jury and dispense justice, whatever it looked like, after hearing all of the facts, being impartial, or would you do anything you could to get out of it? Tucker Carlson, last night on his program, played the audio of uh, an interview with a juror, a prospective juror, rather, who was being asked about, well, what I just brought up, about the desire to serve you know, and do your civic duty versus the desire to protect one's family. Because we all know there is a reason why around the Minneapolis uh, uh, courthouse that they have, it, it kind of looks like the U.S. Capitol. They got fencing, they've got barbed wire, they've got guardsmen all surrounding, ready and, and prepared to go in the event of uh, a verdict that the mainstream media, Black Lives Matter, DNC, Joe Biden, uh, Antifa, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, don't like. In the event that that happens, we all know that it's on again. And so that simple fact that they are preparing for battle, preparing for war, putting up the ramparts, you know, literally trying to defend uh, and protect police uh, precincts, the courthouse. Given all of that, it's a very, very dangerous thing to say, yeah, I'll sit in judgment of Derek Chauvin and be impartial. Because if, again, impartiality and the facts don't lead you to a conviction, Lord only knows. So I want you to listen. This is just a short part of what Tucker Tucker Carlson yesterday broke down with the most thorough, in the most thorough manner, I believe anybody has yet what actually happened to uh, to George Floyd last Memorial Day. Uh, Tucker Carlson laid it all out there for in about twenty minutes and nineteen seconds, or nineteen minutes and twenty seconds, whatever it was. It's right around that mark. I posted it on my Facebook page that I do still have, and. Um, Part of that presentation was this short minute and a half with a prospective juror. Listen. But will Chauvin have a fair trial? Hundreds of activists, some dressed in all black, have been staring down National Guard troops outside the courthouse in Minneapolis all week. 
They shut down streets outside the courthouse on Monday. We need justice, people, one shouted, justice by any means necessary. In other words, if you vote to acquit Derek Chauvin, the mob is saying, the community will burn because we will burn it. It's like something from Mississippi in the 1920s. Where is the Justice Department in the middle of all this? Where's the so-called Civil Rights Division to protect the civil rights of Derek Chauvin, who, by the way, has civil rights? Yes, even accused cops have the right to a fair trial. Your civil rights are not suspended when you're accused. This is America. But, of course, the Civil Rights Division is nowhere to be found. They're doing nothing. So not surprisingly, during jury selection yesterday, several jurors expressed a reluctance to have anything to do with the case. Would you want to be a juror? Don't think so. One prospective juror explained the threats he would face. Can you tell us why you weren't sure? I mean, it's, it's more from a safety security standpoint. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I feel comfortable and safe, but I just wouldn't want any, uh, you know, any issues or, or harm to come to my wife or my family. If uh, individual, certain individuals that were, were out to to intimidate or, or cause harm. I mean, they if they knew where I lived, I mean, it's potential they could, you know, do damage to the house or, or spray paint the house or garage door or break a window. I don't want to be on this jury because of threats that I might face to my own personal safety, the safety of my wife, the safety of my family, and the safety of my property. What does that tell you about the state of justice in the year 2020, uh, 2021? What does it say to you about the state of justice in the United States of America? That jurors are afraid to listen impartially to facts and evidence and testimony presented at trial. Because if they do that and they come up with an honest supported by the evidence, supported by the facts, supported by the testimony, decision to acquit, they may be harmed. Because they've watched it. Not necessarily to jurors, but any time there is a perceived injustice, there are massive numbers of victims. Because rage must have its place. We must, as the former mayor of Baltimore once declared, we must give those who wish to destroy the space to destroy. Rage is expected and it's tolerated. It's not even attempted to be shut down. Burning uh, Buildings are burned. Windows are smashed. Property is looted. Businesses are destroyed. People are put out of work. And it's just accepted. Yep, well, you know, the nation is in an angry place right now because of what happened to George Floyd, so we're going to burn half of America. Almost all of it urban America, but we're going to burn half of America. And if, after the injustice done to George Floyd, if the officer is acquitted of the most serious charges, now we are going to burn the other half of America. And you better believe they're going to target those that they think are responsible. Judges, jurors, defense attorneys, etc. So my simple question to you is, if you were called to serve on the trial of Derek Chauvin, would you serve? Would you want to serve? Or would you, as this juror said, be more cognizant of your family and your property and safety 
and say, no, I want out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. Don't put this on me. And before you even answer that, consider this. Consider the fact that it is extremely unlikely that the facts in the case are going to lead to the conclusion that George Floyd was murdered by that police officer's knee on his neck. The medical examiner's report says, and Tucker covered this very clearly yesterday, George Floyd died of a drug overdose, not with just a lethal amount of fentanyl in his system to go along with methamphetamine, not even just double the lethal amount of fentanyl. George Floyd had triple Actually, more than three times the amount of fentanyl in his system needed to kill an average man. He had that many drugs in his system, which explains why he was wigging out to go along with the methamphetamine. And he died of that drug overdose, not of asphyxiation from having his air cut off by a knee on his neck. Direct quotes from the medical examiner prove this. And they say that if he had been found dead in his home rather than on the street with that police officer and they examined his body, the examination would would, uh, conclude it was a drug overdose death, period. That the fatal level of fentanyl uh, in his system or excuse me, the level of fentanyl in his system would have been fatal under normal circumstances. Much less the circumstances that found him struggling with a police officer eventually being handcuffed and put down on the ground and having that officer kneel on him. Wouldn't have mattered. And that the autopsy conducted by the medical, medical examiner revealed no physical evidence suggesting that Mr. Floyd died of asphyxiation. Do you want to be on that jury, listening to all of that medical evidence and testimony, watching the body cam footage that America was denied the opportunity to see before all of the riots took place, showing him screaming, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and just freaking out in the back of the police car? Long before any knee got anywhere near his neck, he couldn't breathe because the medical examiner said that that's one of the symptoms of a fentanyl overdose. Respiratory constriction. You can't breathe. Your lungs can't get enough air for you to continue to breathe. Not to mention the fact that he was also found to have had heart disease. And his heart finally gave out in the midst of all of this. You want to sit on that jury? I seriously want to know. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Call me. We'll talk right after this. Okay, 925, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Bob. Yeah, you know, I I would definitely uh, wouldn't mind being on the Javin jury because I know that I'd be able to sit back and ignore all the public nonsense and look at the evidence objectively on both sides in order to be able to make a decision. Chances are, for that reason, I'd probably get excused. 
That is probably accurate. If you promise to listen objectively to the testimony and observe and review objectively the facts, you probably would be excused because the prosecution is not looking for a fair trial for Derek Chauvin. They are looking for uh, a sacrifice. Somebody must be sacrificed, and it has to be the guy, of course, who posed. And by the way, Derek Chauvin, let me explain this clearly. Derek Chauvin's an idiot. It just so happens this idiot isn't a murderer. He didn't kill George Floyd. He's an idiot because he provided the optics that that inflamed so many people because he stayed on his neck, even though that wasn't asphyxiating him, that wasn't killing him. He stayed on his neck and posed there, almost like a... You know, uh, you ever see in the newspaper, your local newspapers, you'll see uh, uh, somebody who bags a 12-point buck or something like that, and they pose with, you know, a deer hunter, they pose with their uh, with their, their quarry, their kill, if you will. It almost looked like he was posing there, or to be a little less graphic, like a WWE big-time wrestler, you know, after pinning somebody, just posing on top of him. He looked terrible. The optics were awful. That doesn't mean he killed him. He didn't. But he is an idiot for even putting himself in that position when he was already handcuffed. The guy had no need for further restraint. He was on the ground handcuffed. He couldn't go anywhere. So let's let's be clear about that. I'm not excusing everything Derek Chauvin did, but he's not a murderer. And I tell you what, um, it's going to be hard to find 12 jurors who can sit there and have the courage to look at everything objectively and uh, vote their conscience. Kenny is in LaGrange. Kenny in uh, LaGrange, are you on that jury if given the opportunity? Uh, the answer is yes, but I have to quantify that answer. They have trials all the time. Uh, they have to take this trial and put it into, a, into the middle of a closed military base where they can protect everybody and dress everybody up in military uniforms so nobody can see who is who. You cannot get onto the base with identif- without identification. Uh, they're going to have to spend some money on this, but it can be done. These people, the jurors, the judge, but, everybody. But, Kenny, while I like what you're saying, you know as well as I do, that's not how this is going to be done. It's not going to be in a military base. It's going to be in a Minneapolis courthouse. They do have fences and other protections, you know, I guess, uh, prepared. But, though, you know, those fences and barbed wire and those guardsmen, you know where they're not going to be? They're not going to be surrounding the houses of each of these jurors. And once they are doxxed by the angry left, if indeed they vote to acquit on the most serious charges, those jurors are going to have legitimate fear. Well, there's still ways of protecting these people. If, they, if the government can put people into prote- protective custody for the rest of their lives, they can, they can, they can take care of these people. Uh, total anonymity. Uh, it, it has to be done, or else we'll never have isn't a fair trial the rest of our, the rest of our lives. Isn't it a shame that we would even have to consider such things? Uh, you want to get into what's a shame? We don't have enough time on the phone. <laughs> no, 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 we don't. But <laughs> but that's one of them. Kenny, thank you, my friend. I appreciate thank the you. phone call. Derek in Richfield. Hey, Derek, are you on that jury? If you could. So yes, I would serve on that jury. I think it's more important to make sure that that officer would get a fair trial. That He's not just sacrificed to appease this mindless mob. And, and yet if these brown-shirted, uh, black clock thugs, if they didn't like it, you know, they can go jump off the bridge. Because I think we, we don't need to be intimidated uh, by these kind of people. And these are their, their tactics. And it is, it's reminiscent of the brown shirts of Nazi Germany. You know, Mussolini had his black-shirted street thugs uh, doing this kind of thing. And I think we just need to stand up to it. 
Well, you know what? You, you, we do need to stand up to it. And, and, and everyone, as Tucker said in that piece, is entitled to a fair trial, even America's most hated cop, the guy who knelt on George Floyd for nine minutes. Um, you're right. And, and thank you for the phone call. There's going to have to be 12 people who have the guts, the courage, uh, the intestinal fortitude to serve on that jury and be open and honest and, and you know, like I said, objectively weigh the evidence. That's the, going to be their job. They're going to have to find 12 people who are willing to do that rather than just say, I want out of here, not serve at all, or be forced to serve, and then say, no way I'm going to vote to acquit because I don't want my city to burn again. And I don't want my house to be burned. And I don't want my kids to be attacked at school. And I don't want my wife to be attacked at her work. Or my husband, if it, you know, whoever it may be. I don't want anybody that I am associated with to pay the price because I'm on a jury that may indeed vote in an unpopular way to acquit somebody based on the facts and the evidence. They're going to have to find 12 people willing to do that. That may be a tough thing to ask. All right, 931, Jim Jordan joins us after the break on, news, on uh, uh, AM 1420, The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, we continue now at 937, as promised. A rare treat for you on a Thursday. Uh, we get to hear the voice of Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. He is Congressman Jim Jordan. Normally a Monday guest, but he's with us today. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good to, good to be with you today. Good to talk to you, as always. Hey, before we get into the news of the day on legislation uh, on the Hill that yeah. you've been working on and so forth, um, I'm going to ask you my poll question of the day, um, because they're doing jury selection up in Minneapolis right now, and I, I was watching Tucker Carlson last night, and uh, there was a juror who was saying he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's concerned not just for his own safety, but that of his family, his children, and his property, because if you sit on a jury that may indeed deliver an unpopular verdict, we have seen what goes on in this country at the hands of the rage mob. If you weren't Jim Jordan, yeah. Congressman, would you would you be willing to sit on that on that jury if asked? Well, I understand the gentleman's concern. I mean, in, in, mm-hmm. in today's cancel culture world, uh, where you get harassed if you if you speak your mind, if you if you uh, um, speak out, and frankly, if you do it in in, in a direct in, in a way that the that the, the cancel culture mob doesn't like, you're you, you're going to get harassed. They're going to put you know come after you, your family, your employer, what have you. So I understand the concern. I do think we. We have an obligation to do our constitutional duty, um, but uh, you know you get it. I mean, look, you've, you've, we've seen what's happened. To all kinds of people you've talked about on your show. We've talked about it together many times. You speak out; they're coming after you. And I, I, I think I've used this example before. Look at the world of sports. James Harden were a, were a support their law enforcement. Back to blue map, he gets harassed. Uh, uh, you, uh, Drew Brees said, "Stand for the anthem." He gets harassed. My favorite is, uh, uh, well, not, not my favorite, but the most telling is, is Mike Gundy, the football coach at Oklahoma State, who. Went t- went fishing, wore a One American News T-shirt, and almost lost his job. He posted a picture on social media. Almost lost his job for fishing in the wrong shirt. So if you if you can almost lose your job for fishing in the wrong shirt, maybe on a jury trial of of, of this magnitude, uh, there's there's problems there too uh, potentially. So I, I, I understand where the where the gentleman's coming from. Yeah, I, I do too, and I uh, and I really really hope there can be a fair trial. I, I want justice to be done here, okay. and I really am concerned about whether or not it can be. Bob, that's why I say when 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 I say. This is the biggest threat to freedom we face. I, I really mean it. And people are like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, they canceled Dr. Seuss. How's that really? A, because l- look where this all leads. Look what's happening. 
I mean, even Democrats, Diane Feinstein, the elementary school in San Francisco, the school board out there said, is no longer going to be named the Diane Feinstein Elementary School. Even Senator Feinstein wasn't good enough for the woke mob. They're like, no, she said something 37 years ago that we don't like today. So we're, we're, even though she's been a liberal senator for decades, they're saying, oh, we're going to cancel her too. So this is how insidious this stuff is. And it will not just stop with, with Bob France, Jim Jordan, and conservatives and Republicans. It'll come for everybody because that's the appetite of uh, – of this woke cancel culture mob. Yeah, you know, you talk about the biggest threat that we face, and I think you're right to to a degree that it is cancel culture, but it, we we can more pinpoint that a little bit more narrowly as well, and talk about um, our ability to free and fair and impartial elections. The democratic process yep. might be the biggest threat that we face right now because of HR one, the For the People Act. Um, I want to give you just a little clip here of what uh, Senator Mike Lee had to say about this before you respond to it. I think I disagree with every single word in HR1, including uh, the words uh, but, and, and the. It, everything about this bill is rotten to the core. This is a bill as if written and held by the devil himself. Uh, th- this takes all sorts of decisions that the federal government really has no business making. Written by the devil himself. Um, and you know what, Congressman, he's not, he's probably not far off here. This literally would change the way we vote in this country, change the way we elect our representatives, change the way that we, we govern ourselves, and it would be yeah. a disaster. Your thoughts? Yeah, and it, it's, it's part of the thing we were just talking about. It's part of this cancel culture. If they mm-hmm. can, if they can structure the elections in a way that conservatives are, are and, and, and Republicans aren't going to have a chance, that's all part of canceling us as well. So yeah, they want to actually federalize elections. They want to put in place those 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 changes that were made in the in the swing states this past election that were done in an unconstitutional fashion, where they went around the state legislature, where you had partisan secretary of states, partisan state supreme courts make changes, like Pennsylvania, for example. They want to they want to take that nationwide and make that the norm for the whole country. That's what they're trying to do. And, and at the end of the day. They want you to pay for the elections. I mean, think about that. Just what you want to do, Bob, pay to make sure Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer get reelected. So they want public finance in those campaigns after they make these radical changes that totally advantage the Democrats. And I think I think in, in, are part of this overall cancel culture mindset. So uh, Mike Lee is right. This is a this is a bad piece of legislation. And let's hope they don't change the filibuster rule in the Senate and pass this thing because Biden's already said President Biden's already said he'll sign it. And if he does, it's 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 bad news for the country. I have asked you about him before, but I'm going to have to ask you about him again now, uh, Joe Manchin. He has said he would not vote to change the legislative filibuster. Um, how extraordinarily important is that? Do you believe him? I hope so. I mean, uh, you know, I'll take him at his word. Uh, let's let's hope that he doesn't. Let's hope they don't play some game where, well, we'll 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 change the filibuster for this bill, but not for others in this. But Democrats, you think of the radical things they have done. We had two Democrat members of Congress write the carriers of the network, the people that carry the network, AT&T, and said, would you basically ask, would you take Fox News, One American News, and Newsmax off, off your platform? Would you not carry them anymore? Now, you talk about a chilling impact on the First, speech, uh, First, uh, First Amendment and free speech. That, that, that is frightening. But two members of Congress did that. There were, if Jim Jordan wrote a, wrote a letter saying, oh, let's, let's take CNN off, oh, my goodness, can you imagine what they would say? And I would never do that because I actually believe in the First Amendment. But two Democrat members of Congress doing that. So this is how radical they've become. They've radically changed election law, which we were just talking about. They radically changed police law. 
this week that we're voting on it today here in a few minutes, they're going to radically change gun laws in, in this country. And next week, while there's a crisis on the border, they're going to pass two amnesty bills. You, you talk about being totally tone deaf and out of touch with the American people and doing radical things. That's what the Democrats are up to. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan this morning about H.R. 1, among other things, and it's, yeah, it's influenced by cancel culture, no question about it. Let's talk about the bill. Uh, the Senate went, went ahead and passed it. You guys had to vote on it again. 1.9, I mean, this is historic. 1.9 trillion dollar quote unquote relief bill. We don't have to hash through all of the things that we know about it already. Only 9% roughly of it is actually to COVID relief. 91% to Democrat pet projects. But to have something that size pass through the House and the Senate without a single Republican, I mean, a strictly partisan bill at 1.9 trillion dollars, that has to yep. tell us somehow, some way that something is wrong. Um, I mean, it, it yep. cannot be that way. And yet here we sit and what I'm concerned about, Congressman, is the fact that Joe Biden said that today he's going to announce the next phase of COVID relief. Now, I don't know if that means another $2 trillion or what it means, but what, what can you say about it? Bob, we, you and I have talked for almost a year now, it's almost a year, that the best stimulus package is to let Americans go back to work. Let us go back to normal. Let us have freedom again. That is the best stimulus package. But they put together this package, which really wasn't a stimulus. It was just big Big government spending to Democrat groups so that are going to help them in the next election and help them do the, the, the crazy things uh, they want to do. For example, in this bill, the felons get $1,400 stimulus check. So I think, as uh, uh, Steve Scalise said yesterday on the House floor in, uh, during the debate, the, the, the Boston Marathon bomber is going to get a $1,400 check. Bureaucrats in the federal government whose kids may not be back to school here in the, in the D.C. area, they're going to get $1,400 a week because their kids aren't in school. Well, there's all kinds of folks I represented whose kids weren't schools weren't open months ago. They didn't get that kind of uh, of help. So th- this this bill is ridiculous, and the idea are going to go spend some the, more. The felons part, Congressman. Um, I apologize, but you mentioned you know the the Boston bomber, uh, you know uh, El Chapo. I mean, we're not talking about released felons, you know, who they're also trying to give the right to yeah. vote back to. We're talking about people in in prisons right now, state and federal facilities serving decades in prison, are going to have a check delivered to their cells for them under this Democrat, yeah. just recently Demo- uh, passed Democrat bill. I, that, this is a Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff is going to get $1,400 of taxpayer money uh, delivered to his cell. Bernie Madoff. Yeah, you can't make this. I mean... <laughs> You think it, it's almost funny, but it, it's so I mean, they're the party of defund the police. So we're defunding the police. The border is wide open. It is a complete crisis. They're now having to put migrant children in NASA facilities. It's so bad. That's a, that was announced today. So defund the police, total crisis on the border, total open border. And, oh, just to add insult to injury, we're going we're gonna to make sure felons get your tax dollars while they're still in prison. What? Well, <laughs> Congressman, you've got to watch your tongue there. Up. That's all true. You got to watch your tongue there. I think you just said crisis at the border. Jen Psaki insists this is a challenge at the border, but it's not yeah. a crisis. Yeah. Even though during yeah. the Obama Biden administration, when 1,000, 1,000 crossings a day was considered to be a crisis by the Obama uh, DHS, 1,000, we're at four to 6,000 a day now, but we won't say that this is a five alarm fire. We won't say that this is, you know, America in serious peril right now at our southern border. We yeah. won't even call it a crisis. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, what did they expect? I mean, this is, this is not, this is, we shouldn't call it, maybe, maybe we shouldn't call it a crisis or a challenge. Maybe this is their policy. Right. This is what, this is what they wanted because Joe Biden announced, we're, we're going to, we're going to stop the, 
the, the deportation of, of felons. We're going we're gonna to open the border. He basically announced it, and Shazam, look what we get. So this shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, but when, well, I think when the American people step back and look at, like, this is the radical policies we're seeing. They're like, wow, what, what, what's going on here? And then you couple that with, with, with you know, where they want to go next week with immigration legislation and giving amnesty to people. And I think the Americans are like, wow, this is, this is dangerous territory we're heading into. Well, you know, Congressman, I, I'm sure there would be a lot of questions that people would have of Joe Biden to maybe explain his reasoning for some of the decisions he's making here and some of the policies he's established. But nobody's allowed to ask those questions. We are 50 days yeah. into the Biden presidency. He has yet to have a full press conference where people, not that the fawning press would ask him challenging questions, but at least the availability would be there to ask him challenging questions about mm-hmm. these things. Are, are, are we just witnessing the same thing we saw in the campaign where they just have to stash him? I mean, he forgot the name yep. of the Pentagon. He called it that that yep. outfit over there. And then he, of course, yep. forgot the man that he just appointed very short time ago as yep. the Secretary of Defense at a ceremony honoring the, the Secretary of Defense's appointment of two women to general uh, positions. I, I, yeah. I mean, he, I, are they just, are they literally terrified that if he gets up before a crowd, he's going he's, he's gonna to collapse? Yeah, I don't know. It, it is, uh, you know, uh, well, I guess the short answer is it's Lloyd Austin, he's Secretary of Defense, and it's the Pentagon. Uh, the um but yeah don't tell me tell joe yeah what a contrast uh you you know between president biden president trump president trump i I remember how many times did we see him walk out getting ready to get on uh marine one and he just he just impromptu press conference and he'd take questions sometimes he'd stand there for half hour 40 minutes just stand outside just taking whatever they're throwing at him um americans deserve the 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 transparency that 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 we had under president trump but we're certainly not not getting that um, I think it just highlights his double standard, you know, this, this double standard that we're all so frustrated and tired of. I, I, I joked the other day, you know, that the, the, they had to take Joe Biden's dog out of the White House because I think it bit somebody. Uh, can you yeah. imagine if President Trump had a dog in the White House and it, and it, and it, and it bit someone? <laughs> there would be like the, the, the press would say the dog was working with the Russians and we need a, we need a full-fledged investigation. I mean, it's, it's like what a double standard. But the American people deserve to have a president who will take questions. Who they can see, who can, who, who's, who's facing the, the the critique from the press that it's supposed to happen. Americans deserve that, and frankly, we're not getting it. Well, can you imagine? Since you're doing that, can you imagine President Trump taking over in 2016 when he did, or actually January of 2017, and not delivering a State of the Union oh, address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would, I'm, they would, they would be going crazy. You know, they would. But last that's, question that's, uh, again, that's a double standard. Last question for you. Uh, you tweeted yesterday, a well-regulated militia. Basically, you tweeted the Second Amendment, and then you followed yep. up with a couple of tweets on why they are trying to take our gun rights away from law-abiding citizens. What's, uh, what are we speaking of specifically? Are we speaking of the national registration they're calling for, the increased background yep. checks? What are we talking about? Background check, uh, uh, the two bills, uh, the, the enhanced background check, which inevitably will lead to registration. That's our concern. Even the Obama administration, Justice Department, said that a few years ago. And then the second bill actually takes when you when you when you're uh, purchasing a gun, the the NIC system, the background check system. Instead of having an answer in three days, it's going to extend it to ten days. And the bureaucracy, if if they if you know, there's a screw up in the bureaucracy, which happens all the time, the burden shifts to you and says, oh, you have to then you have to then affirmatively go go prove that you're entitled to a firearm as as an American citizen. Since when do you have is the burden on you to exercise your constitutional right? 
typically, and I mean, always, it's, it's, it's innocent until proven guilty. But this, this flips the burden, and this is very dangerous where they're, they, they want to go. And it's all about restricting your liberties. Um, we, we oppose it strongly. We're going to vote against those bills today, but unfortunately, I think they're going to pass. So defund and shrink police departments and then take away people's right to defend themselves. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's yeah. a hell of a combination. All the, all right the while, all, all the while let, let, uh, let, let people across the border... Um, yes. Yeah. That's, gang, uh, that's member, gang members, cartel members, all kinds of uh, of dangerous people. Yeah. Let's then let's just continue to let them flood across. Wow, uh, Congressman Jordan, great conversation. I appreciate you making time for us on a Thursday, sir. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Uh, you got it. Thank you, sir. That's uh, Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We'll be right back. Okay, 9.56. We continue on AM 1420. The answer, thanks again to Jim Jordan. Um, breaking news story tied to the first story that I was discussing with you this morning, and that is the jury selection and the trial to come for uh, Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. Um, the judge in that case has reinstated the third-degree murder charge, which was originally dropped. A judge on Thursday granted prosecutors' request to reinstate a third-degree murder charge against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, who's charged in connection with George Floyd's death. Hennepin County Judge Peter Cahill added the charge after Minnesota Supreme Court denied an appeal from Chauvin Wednesday. Cahill had earlier rejected the charge as not warranted by the circumstances of Floyd's death. But an appellate court ruling in an unrelated case established new grounds for it. Chauvin already faced second-degree uh, murder and manslaughter charges. Potential jurors uh, return to continue the selection process today. So far, five jurors have been seated. After two days of screen- screening by Cahill, the special attorney for the state, Stephen Schleicher, Air Schleicher, perhaps, and Chauvin's attorney, Eric Nelson, Floyd's May 25th death last year uh, sparked sometimes violent protests in Minneapolis and beyond, blah, blah, blah. We already know all that. Um, this is interesting. Some say that this is very clear, clearly a sign that uh, prosecutors know they're not going to be able to make murder two or even manslaughter here. They're not going to be able to get it. Um, because, again, I just gave you a bunch of the information from the medical examiner. Uh, Tucker Carlson last night played portions of the body camera footage from the officers during the entirety of the encounter, not just the nine minutes of kneeling on the neck that you know made uh, international headlines last year, but rather the entirety of it, showing uh, how whacked out on drugs that George Floyd was, how he was crying and screaming and afraid and uh, saying he can't breathe, even when he was in his own car, as they took him out of that car and tried to put him in the back of the police car. I can't breathe, I can't breathe. All of these symptomatic of somebody who is in the midst of a drug overdose, particularly a fentanyl overdose, according to the examiner. But the medical examiner, uh, between the medical examiner's report, which said that he had triple the amount of fentanyl needed to kill an individual uh, man, uh, along with methamphetamine, and that he had a bad heart. All of those things came into play when he died, and that there was no evidence whatsoever that he died of asphyxiation, meaning the knee on the neck making him unable to breathe. So some may say, and I have to tell you, as a non-attorney, just an observer, but a relatively educated 
they can't make the most serious charges against him stick. So they're sticking murder three in there so that the, it gives the jury um, something to not let him go free. And if that is the case, if they know they can't get him on the two charges, and yet they are now just giving the jury a third option so they don't set him free, that means he will have been denied a fair trial. Because the only reason they would be doing that to make sure he doesn't go free is obvious. To stop or to avoid the rioting that would result in Minneapolis and around the country. The fire or the excuse me, the country would be set on fire anew. It would be all start all over again. So if that's what they're doing here, and that's why the judge is allowing this, saying, okay, you can add murder three to it now, just so that they don't let him go completely. That's a denial of a fair trial. I don't know if he's innocent or guilty. I know what I see thus far, and from my personal observation and perspective, there is no way they can get him on murder of any kind. The medical examiner says the man died of a drug overdose, not a murder. There is no way that they can get him on anything, but if they're trying to get him on something just to avoid uh, the political fallout and the societal fallout. That is a very, very serious problem. All right, we'll talk more later. Uh, as a fact, really not that much later, right after the news on AM 14.